0: Tonight, we're going to be talking, we we finished up our series uh, on um, the I Am sayings of Jesus. Uh, So there were seven different things in the Gospel of John that Jesus said about himself. We've been considering who is Jesus the whole semester. And uh, I always leave like one week in the fall and in the spring where it's kind of like an open week, a choose-your-own-adventure on some level uh, in terms of what we're going to talk about. In the past, we've talked about uh, anxiety, we've talked about Uh, depression, I think I've done something on friendship before, Uh, but this time around, um, when I was thinking that kind of the topic of busyness came up as something that might be helpful to talk about, Um, and I just want to preface this by saying, like, uh, this is not something that I am, like, stepping into the college campus, and I'm just mad that everyone's so busy, and I'm not busy. Uh, The reality is, like, I I want to think about busyness because I struggle with it, too, uh, because my life is continually full, I have a hard time saying no to things, which I know that some of you guys can relate to, I would say probably, probably all of you guys can relate to. Life feels very, very full. So we're going to be talking about busyness tonight, and so let me, let me read the passage for us, uh, and we can get started. I actually didn't print it out on here, so I'll do it there. All right, so Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this time that we can come together and talk about something that I think is uh, important to all of our lives. Um, This feeling that we have of when we look at the beginning of the week, uh, we just think that I'm going to have to do every single thing that I want to do faster than normal in order to squeeze everything in. Um, Lord, we're just so bogged down in busyness so often. Uh, So Lord, I, I pray that you would meet us where we are. Lord, that you would come to us and that you would speak words of uh, peace, words that lead to rest. Because, uh, Lord, I need that, and I know my friends here need that as well. And so, Lord, will you, um, will you give us the rest that only Jesus can offer? All these things we ask in his name. Amen. Okay, so like I said, we're going to talk about Jesus in our busyness. And I just want to consider from this passage just kind of two things. One is the source of our busyness, and the second is the solution to our busyness. So the source of our business, our busyness, and the solution to our busyness. Um, so this passage, it begins with uh, just telling that Jesus is entering into a village. Uh, we know from other Gospels that the village he's entering t- into is Bethany. It's right, of, uh, it's right outside of Jerusalem. We actually talked about that with one of the Iams. Uh, but Jesus' fame is kind of spreading. So whenever he shows up in a village, it's a big deal. Like, people are aware of it. And so Jesus walks into this village, and then it says that Martha came out to him and welcomed him into her house. And so what Martha is doing uh, is she is recognizing, like, okay, there's this famous person coming, this, this teacher. He's well-respected. He's been performing all these miracles. There's rumors that he might be, like, the Messiah. And so she's thinking, like, somebody's got to welcome this man into, into their house. And so she's like, well, it's got to be me. Like, I got to go for it so she goes to Jesus and she welcomes him into her house. And in the ancient world, this would have been a little bit more complicated than it is in our day. Um, so, for instance, uh, many of you have been to my house. And generally, I'll be in the kitchen, like, doing something whenever you get there. And you show up and I'll, like, yell over my shoulder for you to come in, you know. And you'll, like, do the awkward thing and look and see if I'm wearing shoes, if you need to take your shoes off. You know, that's kind of the deal. So that's, that's kind of like a modern welcoming someone into your house. But in the ancient world, it would have been a lot more complicated So like on a basic level, it would have entailed definitely taking off shoes, probably uh, providing water and actually washing all the people's feet who are coming in because they didn't actually have plumbing and a lot of that just went on out in the streets. So you got to wash people's feet. Uh, You need to offer them water to drink and you need to prep a pretty extravagant meal for someone when they come into into your house. So the second that Martha like welcomes Jesus into her house, it's kind of like a timer goes off of like, oh my gosh, like I got to do all this stuff i got to do all this stuff. And we see it in the text that that, uh, Martha is feeling that. It says she was distracted with much serving. And then it says her sister uh, just came and, you know, sat down at Jesus' feet. And, of course, like, you got to imagine, like, let's try to be empathetic with Martha. Let's try not to just throw some stones here. Uh, What was she feeling? Why was she feeling the way that she was? Well, she's welcoming in this great teacher. She's welcoming in all these people. There's so many things that have to be done. And she's focusing on them. Uh, the the word there for distracted it literally means like dragged away. There were so many things like you can you can imagine. I don't know if you've ever had people in your home or your mom or grandma or you know your dad. I don't know what your family's like. Is is busy in the kitchen like trying to get everything done and they like don't even come out. They don't even talk to anyone. Like imagine that's what's going on here with Martha. She was busy because there were so many things to do. She wasn't busy because she was just, like, looking for something to do. She was busy because there were a lot of good and important things that needed to be done. And I wonder, like, isn't that true of us as well? Like, when you think about your life and you think about, like, why am I so busy? Why am I doing so much? On some level, it's because there are a lot of, like, important and really good things for you to be doing right now. I mean, think about, like, your schoolwork. Think about maybe you have a part-time job. I think most students do. Think about like friendship. Think about exercising, all of that stuff. These are all good things, but often it feels like they're competing. And we schedule our lives out so that we don't have any sort of margin. And everything's just busy, and we're just going from one thing to another thing. So we're so busy because there are so many things for us to do. But I think these things kind of fall into maybe two... Two categories, two reasons why we feel so busy all the time. I think one, uh, there are external pressures. There are external pressures for us to be busy. Um, think about it this way, like no one's gonna do your homework for you, right? And, and if someone is doing your homework for you, you should probably stop and maybe we should talk about that. Uh, but no one's gonna do your homework for you. No one's gonna work your part-time job. No one's gonna pad your resume for you. No one is gonna hand you that dream job that you want, right? So, of course, we, we respond to all of these things that are put on our plate, and we just try to handle them. We try to fill up our schedule. We try to do all these things. And also, this kind of generic culture of busyness, it's the assumption of, on the college campus. Like, I've said this before. When I sit down with a student, generally, I'll ask, like, how are you? And the evaluating tool, like, that people use for their life is productivity. Like, oh, it's been a good day. I was, I was really productive. We're like, oh, it's been a bad day. Haven't been very productive. Or another question that I find myself asking all the time is like, oh, what are you working on today? You know, what's the assumption behind that? That that we always have to be working on something. That we always have to have stuff going on. That we always have to be pr- productive. But not only that, we also live in this constant information slash entertainment overload, right? Like there, you can know everything. You can watch every show. There's always a new show. There's always some sort of, like, news story that you really need to know about. There's always some cause that's really important for you to know about. I don't know if you've seen uh, Bo Burnham's Inside. I don't know that I can fully recommend it, but uh, it's it's pretty insightful in a lot of ways. But he has this one song called Welcome to the Internet, and he talks about this is what it's like to kind of get on the Internet. It says, can I interest you in everything all of the time? A little bit of everything all of the time. Apathy is a tragedy and boredom is a crime. Anything and everything all of the time. Isn't that just like what it feels like to live in our world? Like there's just like this constant, like can I interest you in everything all the time? Like, like there's so many things, like you need to do working out, you need to be aware of all the social issues, you need to make sure that your GPA is good, but you also need to like be a good person, you need to have friends, all this stuff. It, it's so much, there's so much to do. And so those are some external pressures, but I think there's also internal pressures. Um, If you're really honest with yourself, the problem isn't just that we have like a culture that incentivizes busyness. Like if you've ever been in a time, so for instance, when you go home on Christmas break in a couple weeks and you have nothing to do, you're probably going to either like crash and burn and get sick because you've overworked for a long time. And then you're going to like come up for air at some point. You're going to be like, what do I do? And you might, you might be tempted to like frantically start looking for something to do. That's a sign that really the problem is not just the culture around us. It's something that's inside of us. See, no one is forcing you to say yes to everything, and yet it feels like it. It really does feel like it. It feels like we have to say yes to everything. Uh, There was a guy who wrote in the New York Times, uh, this was in 2012, but he said this about busyness. He says, busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless, If you were so busy, completely booked, and in demand every hour of the day. Uh, What's he saying there? He's saying that busyness can be a great way to kind of avoid the gnawing sense that like something's not right. That I'm missing out on something. Or I'm disappointed with something major in my life. So you throw yourself into stuff. And it can be this way of kind of avoiding See, what's being said there is being busy, it it works for us even if it's not working for us. Let me unpack what that means. It works for us even if it's not working for us. What I mean by not working for us, like we all know that living this way is not sustainable. Right? Like we're all tired. We all hit the rock bottom. Like we're all like overwhelmed all the time. Something has to give, you know? Like it's not working for us. But we continue to live this way. Right? We continue to be busy again and again and again. So what that means is that it actually is working for us on some level. Like it's doing something for us. It's gratifying us in some way. So I want you to think, like, what is it for you? Like what what is busyness doing for you? Like what is it helping you to deal with internally? Like why do you overcommit? Like we all, I think in this age, like tend to struggle with overcommitting. But like, let's just take a second, pause, and then just step back and think, but why? Like, What specifically is that doing for you? What is it doing for you? I have a couple suggestions maybe what it's doing. Um, first, I think busyness can make us feel like we're a productive member of society. Uh, let's think about our society here, kind of a micro society, as the University of Nebraska. I was just looking on the website uh, for, for UNL the other day and it says this on there. It says, we believe in the power of every person. We don't rest on our strengths. We stretch them, sweat them, combine them, growing flexible, nimble, and strong minds. That's how we do big things. We are Nebraska, in our grit, our glory. That's great. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I love that. Nebraska is a wonderful place. But what I want you to pick up on is there's this kind of sense of like, hey, if you're not constantly doing something, if you're not constantly stretching yourself, if you're not constantly pushing yourself, you don't belong here. Like this is a culture where we incentivize working to the point of maybe overworking, right? So busyness, it can kind of give you this sense of like, I'm just doing what everyone does here. Like I feel like I fit in if I'm busy. Another thing, I think busyness can earn us the approval of our parents and of our peers. Uh, Think about it this way, if you were to come home at Christmas, um, my hunch is if you were to come home at Christmas and you got like straight C's, and you know, your family members, maybe it's your uncle at Christmas or something, like, oh, how'd the semester go? And you're like, Man, I lived a really like healthy life. I went to the gym and I made like five new friends. And you'd be like, Oh, cool, like how'd you do in school? It's like, oh I got straight C's. Right? Like you're not gonna get a pat on the back for that. Right? Like we, we incentivize this like achievement, busyness, filling up our schedule as much as we possibly can, at the expense really, of being a whole person of being a person who's connected to God and connected to other people. So it can earn us the approval of parents and peers. And then I think there's kind of a a maybe insidious way that busyness, um, if you're a Christian here tonight, it can make you feel like you're a good Christian. Like we can spiritualize this. We can try to fill every second like with Christian activity. Like I can't, like it's not possible for me to like not be in a good spot with Jesus if I'm doing so much for him, right? Like if I'm, if I'm constantly reading, constantly praying, constantly sharing my faith, constantly going to church, you know, only listening to Christian music, all that stuff, it can kind of be this way that we're like trying to like keep ourselves away from actually dealing with Jesus. Like rather than bringing our guilt to him, rather than bringing our pain to him, we're just like, no, I'm just gonna shove like Christian kitsch at it and nothing's gonna be able to get to me. So busyness can make us feel like we're a good Christian. I, I don't know what it is for you, but those are just three suggestions that I came up with. But what do all of these have in common? Like, what do, what do all these have in common? I think the thing that they have in common is that they can help us feel like life isn't so out of control. All of these things. Because I think, I think the, the, the reason is this. The real source of our busyness, it is a commitment to believe the lie of all lies, which is the lie that was told in the garden, which was you can be God. You can be God. You can be everything for everyone. You can be everywhere. You can know everything. You don't have to live a life of limits. You're not actually a creature. You can be God. See, I think that's what the source of our busyness is. At, at, at its core, it's believing that lie. You can be in control. So that's the source, but let's consider the solution to our busyness. Try to land the plane here quicker. Um, I just want to point out three things that Jesus is doing for Martha in this reply to her. Okay, so Martha, she is, you know, anxiously trying to figure out things at the house. She comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, like, do you see that my sister's not doing anything? Will you please tell her to help me out, right? And so how does Jesus respond? Uh, Jesus says this, says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. So three things I want to point out here. The first is this. Jesus is being gentle with her in her frantic busyness. So you see he repeats her name there, Martha, Martha. Uh, In the ancient world, that would have been a repetition of names. It would have been a sign of kind of like endearment or like really trying to get someone that you care, trying to get their attention. So Jesus, like Martha has just come at Jesus and it's basically like, Lord, like, do you not see what's going on? Will you, will you like send my sister in here to help me? What's she doing? She is rebuking God himself and saying, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> How does Jesus respond to her? With compassion. He responds by moving towards her. So what, like, when you think about yourself, when you think about when you get in that place where you have this like frantic busyness, what we see here is that the posture of Jesus towards you in that state of frantic busyness, is gentleness. He moves towards you. He moves towards you in that. He he doesn't just, like, shut you down and say, well, it's easy. Like, you just got to stop doing this. No, he moves towards you. So the first thing, Jesus is being gentle with her. The second thing Jesus is doing in this response is he's inviting her to self-reflection. He says, after repeating her name twice, he says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Uh, What's Jesus doing? It's like Jesus is coming up to her and kind of holding up a mirror. And he's like, Martha, this is kind of what you're hitting me with right now. (laughs) Like you're anxious and you're troubled about many things. And so I I think we're maybe used to this idea of like taking a hard look in the mirror at ourselves sometimes. Like when we do something, we're like, man, I got to look in the mirror and I got to fix stuff. But I want to say like what's different about this is that Jesus is inviting her to self-reflection in the context of his loving gaze. It's not in the context of like, Martha, you need to figure this crap out. Like it's in the context of like, Martha, Martha, he's so close to her, he's so compassionate towards her, and he invites her, take a look at yourself. It's as if saying this, what Jesus is doing is he's kind of asking her a question, like, do you like who you're becoming in this anxious, busy, and troubled state? do you like who you're becoming? And what about you? Like when you think about your life, when you think about like how busy you might be, how much time you spend doing things, how hurried you feel, do you like who you're becoming in the midst of that life? Like do you like what it's doing to your mind? Do you like what it's doing to your relationships? Do you like what it's doing to your body, to your soul? I think Jesus is inviting us to ask those questions here. Do you like who you're becoming in the midst of your busyness? So Jesus invites her to self-reflection. And then third, Jesus is inviting her to choose the better portion. So he says after telling her, you know, you're anxious and troubled about many things. He says, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Uh, Jesus is saying something that I think is really important when we think about our own busyness. Uh, He is not saying to Martha that it was dumb to try and serve him or that it was bad. He doesn't say anything about that. He just says there's a better choice to be made. Jesus is saying there's something better. What he's doing here is he is inviting her to say no to a good thing in order to say yes to the best thing. That's what he's inviting her to do. And if we're ever going to grow in our ability to respond to busyness, that is fundamental. We need to be able to say no to a good thing in order to say yes to the most important thing. I mean, think about what keeps you busy most of the time. Are these things that can be taken away from you? That's what Jesus says about what what Mary has chosen. He says that can't be taken away from her. I mean, when when you think about your life, you spend a lot of your life doing schoolwork. Uh, You spend a lot of your your life doing uh, maybe part-time work, exercise, entertainment, All of these things are good, but can they be taken away from you? Is it possible that your career one day will end? Or you get that great job and it just doesn't work out? Uh, Is it possible that no matter how much you put into like working out, that eventually you're gonna get old and die? Uh, Is it possible that all the entertainment that makes you feel alive and happy, that, that eventually it's just gonna be meaningless? See, Jesus is saying that there is a better choice. And he's saying that Mary has done it. Mary has chosen the good portion here. And so what good portion has she chosen? You you see it in the text. What's she doing? She is sitting at Jesus' feet. That is the good portion. To simply be with him, to listen to him, to make him the center of her life. Jesus isn't telling her the things that she's doing are unimportant. He's telling her that there is something of greater importance. And I think this is crucial. Like if you're here and you're a Christian tonight, I want you to hear this. What we see here in this interaction is that Jesus cares more about you than what you can do for him. He is not at all anxious about what you can do for him. He instead wants you to come and to sit at his feet. And when you come and you sit at his feet, the the doing will happen. It'll happen. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus is not anxious about you doing things for him. This old hymn, I love the way it puts it. It says, lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. It is finished. It is finished. What more could we ever do? See, if we're going to sit down at Jesus' feet, if we're going to look at all of the, like, a billion things that we have to do, and we're going to actually just plop down at his feet and choose the better portion, the way that he says it, in order to rest, we have to know that someone has us. Like, if I'm going to stop, then I have to know that Jesus has gone to work for me. Like, if I'm going to be able to slow down, then I have to know that Jesus has got me. And what I want you to see is that Jesus has you. He's gentle with you in your busyness. He invites you into self-reflection. And he invites you to choose the better portion. I just want to close by reading this, uh, reading this quote. It's from a guy named Tim Keller, who I really like. Um, but he says this, Um, about this kind of idea of of resting um, in the finished work of Jesus. So he says this, Most of us work and work trying to prove ourselves, to convince God, others, and ourselves that we're good people. That work is never over unless we rest in the gospel. At the end of his great act of creation, the Lord said, It is finished, and he could rest. On the cross, at the end of his great act of redemption, Jesus said, It is finished, and we can rest. On the cross, Jesus was saying the work underneath your work, the thing that makes you truly weary, this need to prove yourself because who you are and what you do are never good enough, that is finished. Jesus has lived the life you should have lived. He has died the death you should have died. If you rely on Jesus's finished work, you know that God is satisfied with you. And you can be satisfied with your life. Amen. Let's pray.